Hi, and welcome to Australian Financial Focus. My name is Barry Wilkinson, Director of SW Brokerage. Your ego is not your amigo. And today's show, we're fortunate enough to have James Whitaker. James is an author of Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy. The book is an official modern-day companion to the original Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which has sold over 120 million copies. I'm sure you'll enjoy uh, this episode because there's some fantastic uh, topics that we're talking about. James Whitaker, um, I'm very blessed to have today. Um, I've known James for several years and obviously watched James rise from a suburban Brisbaneite to a global A-lister in, in America. So James Whitaker is an author of Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy. The book is the official modern-day uh, companion to the original Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. James has appeared on 300-plus podcasts and radio shows along with some Australian TV shows in his time. I'd like to thank James for taking the time out. I feel very blessed to have him. We've been friends for many years and I've watched the progress of James over the years and I couldn't be happier for him. So welcome, mate. Thanks, Baz. Great to see you, mate. Likewise, likewise. Mate, I I stumbled across the book watching you on social media many years ago and I bought it myself and I know that you've written quite a few books. How many books have you written, mate? Three at the moment with a fourth coming out in the next uh, next few months. I did see that. What Was that one on your left-hand corner of your shoulder there? Where What's are that we? one yeah. called? So we've got Andrew Carnegie's Mental Dynamite is the book that just came out last week. Yeah, so it's actually co-authored by Napoleon Hill, um, which is something I never thought I would say and, and partner with the Napoleon Hill Foundation. So I've been busy doing a bunch of promo to get this book out there into the hands of as many people as possible. So just truly um, grateful to be involved in a project. And it's weird. It's eerie to have my name on a cover alongside people like Andrew Carnegie and Napoleon Hill and also Sharon Lecter who wrote the Rich Dad Poor Dad books with Robert Kiyosaki that have sold more than 40 million copies. Have you met Robert? No I haven't. I know Sharon very well though. Yeah well, mate I actually love, I look at his stuff a fair bit on YouTube um, so that's uh, he's, he's great. He's just straight, straight shootable isn't he? <laughs> so I have, actually haven't, I haven't followed much of Robert's stuff in the last few years but Sharon's just an extraordinary woman and um, yeah has done a lot of great stuff for the world. So, mate, Napoleon Hill, I've sold over 120 million copies. Why this book? Well, Think and Grow Rich was the book that changed my dad's life. And anyone in, in financial planning in Australia who's listening to this might know who uh, who Noel Whitaker is. So he uh, his life was completely transformed once he read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill in his early 30s. So I've always been aware of the power of this book. And I read it at a young age when I was a teenager. And you need to be ready to receive whatever message that you're learning. It reminds me of the quote, when the when the student is ready, the master will appear. And I wasn't ready for Think and Grow Rich when I first read it as a teenager. But then when I uh, revisited a few years later and then revisited again a few years after that, and then it, it's funny that I actually found my way back to Napoleon Hill via Jim Rowan. So Jim Rowan was a massive influence on on my life. I never never met him in person. Unfortunately, he's, he's sadly passed away, but I still listen to his uh, audio recordings and things on, on Spotify. So Jim Rohn's biggest influence was Napoleon Hill, and that's how I found my way back to Napoleon Hill. And then eventually got involved in Thinking Grow Rich a Legacy, which was a, a multi-million dollar movie. So I was co-executive producer of that film project and then author of the official book accompaniment also called Thinking Grow Rich a Legacy. Wow. So mate, you were born in Australia and you worked in the family business and you, you know, um, your successful career in financial planning where you had more than $2 billion under management. Now you've become a keynote speaker, author, podcaster, host and film and, and, uh, and entrepreneur and, and coach. Why the change? I just felt like that. I, I just felt like there was more for me. Like I was happy with financial planning in Australia, but it didn't. It didn't light up my soul as much as I had hoped it would. And I've always had a weird feeling about being placed into a box. And the <laughs> idea of going over to America to test myself in a completely new country, 330 million people. So in, in 2012, I actually moved over to America to study an MBA at an international business school that was nine months in Boston and three months in Shanghai and China. And a funny thing about that is I had a pretty clear path of what I wanted to follow going into that. And it was like in a washing machine where I was spat out in a completely other direction. And that was when I really started the entrepreneurial journey for the first time, because it, it's only once we leave the bubble that we recognize how much of a bubble that we've 
we've actually been in. And since that time, I've just been involved in, oh my God, dozens and dozens and dozens of different product launches and businesses. And that is what really fires me up. So now I know exactly what I, you know, uh, what my mission is and, and what I've got to do to achieve it. And then I sort of found my way back to helping people with personal finance after going through that journey, only it included a lot more. So now I help people take ownership of their financial, physical, and mental health through everything I do. And that all comes back to win the day. So that's why all of my branding is all around that mission of winning the day. Because if you don't know what winning looks like each day, then it's impossible for you to get there. And each day, you know, a day becomes a week, becomes a month, becomes a year, becomes your life. So waking up and having an idea of your intent, like what are you going to do to win the day? every single day because a bit of an unfortunate reality is that each day if we do not make the decision to win, we've automatically made the decision to lose. It's just human nature. We start to, you know, we, uh, we revert to doing that, which is, which is easy. And we're creatures of habit. Definitely. Yeah, good or bad. Your, 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 brain, your brain feeds on whatever you, whatever you give it, good or bad. Mate, I, I remember I it was not the Christmas where we caught up last year it was the year before where I had a, um, a conscious mind of actually just pulling myself off social media. So I limit myself um, and set up a reminder on my phone to about 10 minutes every two weeks. And I'm at the position where I've got someone that does my social media for me, but for some people that don't. And it was so clear uh, a lot of the, the amount of the time that I was actually spending on stuff that was just completely um, consuming my subconscious mind to the point where I was going, well, why am I not achieving what I want to achieve? And then just started reading certain things. But, you know, you've come across – do you come across that a fair bit, James, in Absolutely. your – yeah, absolutely. I mean, social media, it's a powerful tool from a business perspective and it's great to check in with, with family and things. But, I mean, in this – in this world that we're in, uh, a lot of people, it's an opinion that I'm increasingly believing myself is that social media is more of a tool for business rather than mm. a way of keeping in touch with personal relationships. Now, I think it's good to keep in touch with people who you don't know that well or who you haven't seen for a while, but your closest friendships uh, are people that you either call or you text or you send voice messages to. So you don't necessarily need to be spending all your time just scrolling through finding what finding out what's going on in the world because I mean, one minute turns into 10 minutes and I'm exactly the same as you where I actually set a timer for social media whenever I'm on it because it's just amazing how much time passes when you're on that. And Facebook and, and Twitter, I mean, these platforms that are so popular, they are so draining and so negative. Mm. And have you ever been yeah. on one of these social media platforms where at the end of half an hour, you were like, oh my God, I feel completely refreshed. Personally, I'd rather go and have a, have a, a dip in the ocean or you know, a coffee outside in the sun, just something to get away from that and get back to nature rather than having a break from computer work where you go and stare at a screen. I think at the same time, some businesses, in my opinion, forget what they're selling. They're actually selling content. Um, they're not selling – I mean, I'm, as you know, I'm in the finance game, a mortgage broker myself. I'm not actually selling mortgages. I'm selling something like, a, you know, something that wants a tangible dream. I'm just a facilitator. But I'm actually need to get out in the digital world that we've got the content that people find valuable, not seeing me having lunches or, or having a coffee somewhere. Or, or And why do you think businesses do that? Why do you think people do that, James? Well, people buy from people they trust. They buy from companies they trust. So obviously establishing trust and maintaining trust is the most essential part of the whole consumer behavior process. And uh, it's very easy on social media to target different audiences. But at the end of the day, if you can release quality content consistently, where people know about you before you know about them, you've already established the trust. And then once you've got trust, the next big thing you need to focus on is the transformation that's going to occur for that person that once they become a client as a result of them consuming your content. So if they're listening to your podcast, what's the transformation that you want to have those people have? in their life as a result of investing their time in listening to this podcast. If you've got a financial planning business, it's like, what's the transformation that you want for that person to occur as a result of being part of that? So what's that journey that you're taking people on? People forget about that journey. They're so busy trying to, that they're focusing on the wrong metrics. They might focus on the number of posts they've put out. I mean, I can't tell you the 
number of entrepreneurs and professionals I've seen who are like, oh, look, I'm, my business is doing well. I'm posting like five times on Facebook a day. And it's like you're getting no engagement on that. You know, you're getting no eyeballs. You're getting mm. no attention. Mm. You need to figure out your entire process focused on transformation. What are you doing to get attention, engagement, and then sales? And that's part of the, the sales is part of the transformation piece. And then the more resources you have at your disposal, the more you contribute to the causes you care about and invest back in your business and help enable transformations at a grander scale in a way that's ideally automated. But also at the same time, quickly establishing what your strengths are and your weaknesses are, right? And the pick, and being okay with that. And I always say to Gil, your ego is not your amigo. <laughs> and and it's quite interesting. So people need to come to terms with that and to go, look, what am I not good at? But it's actually okay coming to that point, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly and is. It's a, it's, a li- it's a light bulb moment. But this podcast in particular, when you mentioned just before, why do I want people to listen to this? Number one, obviously yourself, which we're very blessed to have. You're someone who I admire quite uh, quite a bit. But you're a, one thing that resonates with myself and and um, what I quite like. You're obsessed with uh, with you're obsessed with what separates people from extraordinary achievers. Is this something I'd like to? Th- this is something I'd like to theme our our interview on. The obsession. Why the obsession, James? What do you find the most common trait that you're seeing in people that are high achievers? Well, first of all, knowing what they want. I mean, that is the most elementary thing that people just completely forget about. So, you know, I do a lot of work with helping individuals and companies get to that next level. And the first two questions I ask them is, what do you want and who are you? And you would be surprised at the answers and the lack of attention around those things. So, if you've got no idea what you want, there's just no way you're going to end up at that destination. And if you don't know who you are, then you're going to start hanging around with anyone. You're going to, you know, waste your day. So, once you're clear on those two things, that's when you can start to harness that will to win. And that's where people, you know, I mean, people like Janine Shepard, the Australian um, cross-country skier who had qualified for the Winter Olympics but was hit by a truck, I mean, six months in the spinal ward, and she today is a walking paraplegic. Her, you know, she's got more than a billion views on Facebook. She's an absolutely extraordinary individual because she knows exactly what she wants out of life. She's not going to take no for an answer. She knows exactly who she is. I mean, these are the stories that that I that I try to learn. I try to understand and dissect and that I try and release and and give access to more and more people so they understand that we have so infinitely more power than we we give ourselves credit for. But if you don't start with those two fundamental questions and you've got, you know, you you can't really uh, be surprised when you end up drifting and not achieving anything in life, Mm. whether it's a Mm. finance goal, a relationship goal, uh, or anything like that. And we talk about the difference between ordinary achievers and extraordinary achievers. The, the real difference is once they've got those, those pins set up that we just spoke about, is that how they respond to adversity when it inevitably strikes. That's what separates those ordinary achievers from, from getting to that next level. But also at the same time, you don't have to – I think it's for me, you don't have to have – you don't have to achieve something to be of value. It's okay if you don't want that, but if you do want that, then you can't blame anyone else. You need to take accountability for that. Yeah, I, I believe everyone has an obligation to fulfill their their best potential. So my sister, she she has four children. Uh, she lives out at Gumdale. She's an incredible uh, mum, and her focus is on raising a family, mm. a, you know, a platform of love for her four amazing children. And she's very very good at that. So she's realizing her potential by being an amazing uh, by being an amazing mum. But there are people out there where if you're too focused on your business and then you're not focused on your family, then you know that's not what I would consider a success. So I think it's important to figure out what success looks like in all areas of your life. I'm not talking about, uh, yeah, spending 18 hours a day behind a desk because that's a horrible place to to end up. You and I are very big on physical health and and mental health and making sure we have an alignment of success rather than focusing on, on one metric and going all out at that where the rest of your life falls apart. And I think it's really important to remember that for the, for the younger generation, I mean, we we saw it with our parents um, and us. We weren't brought up in the, the technology era, but that the younger generation look at something like a picture or someone driving a flash car and then instinctively they just go, oh, that's success. That's what I want. 
but success necessarily just isn't about money, right? And and I've got a series of questions I want to talk to you about here. When I say series, James, there's only about 10. So, um, <laughs> And that's one of them. It's like, and I look at it for the younger generation and still being in the finance game, I'm still seeing clients and have a team of brokers. And it's just that they constantly look at, they want it now, hurry up, let's go, because I can just Google something and it gives me instant gratification straight away. Yeah. Why? Well, they're attaching their self-worth to a material possession. And entrepreneurs or professionals are also very good at attaching their self-worth to a destination or an outcome when the real secret Mm. to happiness is not just found in the present, it's found by being present. Because the problem with attaching your happiness to an outcome is that when you achieve it, that pot of gold over the end of the rainbow, it's so easy to say, you know what, let's just put that pot of gold, like, hey, I want to I earn 100 grand a year. And then you achieve it. And you're like, oh, well, I'm not as happy as I thought I would be. You know what, maybe if I make it 150 grand a year, yeah, that's when I'll be happy. So then you spend all your time in the office and then finally you hit that goal. And then you want to get to 200 because that's not as, as appealing as you thought it would be. And you've completely neglected your family along the way. So it's really, really important to make sure that you've, you've got an idea of, of what success looks like. Uh, my wife actually sent me a text a few weeks ago and it says, if you don't make time for your wellness, you will be forced to take time for your illness. Love it. Very true too. It's so true. It's like we just find ourselves, and I find it myself being self-employed. You know, sometimes you can be in the office for, you know, 10 to 12 hours and you feel tired at the end of the day and it's like everything else starts to wane. You know, you go, oh, just take take away today and I can't be bothered. Oh, I might just go for a beer. And then all of a sudden you look at your bank account, you're like, hold on, how did that happen? <laughs> you know? So, yeah, you, you but, know what? Yeah, I was going to say, actually, for my mental health, I about three months ago, I deleted the uh, mailbox app on my iPhone because I found any time I would just see that notification of work that needed to be mm. done, and I was pretty much working 24-7 whenever I had, apart from when I was asleep, sorry, but when uh, I was outside having a break, you just I would mm. find myself doing work and checking my emails, and it wasn't rejuvenating. So having something as simple as the, the out-of-sight, out-of-mind idea, and especially for people who are self-employed, it, it can be unrealistic at times. I, I, I have a lot of business things I've got going on at the moment, but what I did recently was I said, you know what, Saturday is my one day where I'm focused on the family, nothing else. So I don't do any work at all on Saturday. We go to the beach, we have a good time uh, as a family, and I think it's important to start to create some of those boundaries around around that because that then protects what's most important to me, which is my family. Plus, at the same time, being uh, role models for the younger generation, they'll get to see, well, my, you know, my dad wasn't on the phone all the time. He put that away. You know, it was okay, dedicated at certain times to that. But there was an episode on episode 29. I want to tell people about this. One you did with Emily Fett Fletcher. Um, I watch all your stuff and listen to your stuff and encourage my team to do that. But I can't encourage people enough. Uh, to to get onto James's website, which we'll we'll leave at the end of it. But episode twenty nine with uh, Emily Fletcher, mate, that was sensational. The str- stress and uh, accomplish more. Can you can you talk to me a little bit more and tell the listeners about why Emily Fletcher? What did you get out of that? Well, Emily Fletcher is the world's leading expert in meditation for high performance. So she spent a decade on Broadway in New York as the theatre production where you'd have no idea what role that you would be playing, what character, where basically if they, if you were the understudy, they would say, hey, you you want it on stage in about three minutes and she'd have to grab whatever costume they handed her, remember what series of lines and things that she needed to read and then she would be running out on stage. And that high-pressure environment um, really had her burnt out in every single aspect. And it was only when she met a person who was a theatre performer who was very successful and very balanced, and she asked what that secret was. And she said it was meditation. And that's when Emily Fletcher started doing meditation for the first time. But what I love about her meditation is it's not about blocking out your thoughts because attempting to block out thoughts was the reason that I was never able to meditate properly previously because I just I just can't shut my brain up and when you're trying Mm. to meditate if you have the feeling yeah as so many people do and if you have those thoughts it just pisses you off more so there are so many failed meditators out there because they just haven't been taught the right way of doing meditation so once you just basically a lot of her meditation starts off with awareness of the senses so you focus on each of those senses individually like what am i tasting what am i uh, touching what am i hearing what am i what am i seeing even if you've got your eyes closed 
And then after that, you'll move into a, a spot where you basically have that calmness and that relaxation. And after that, she does a manifestation piece. And that's where you think about what you've got going on in the future. Maybe it's an important event. Maybe it's an important meeting. Maybe you're speaking on stage or doing a sales presentation. And the mind cannot distinguish between memories that have happened in the past versus the memories that we create mentally. And I think that's one of the best uh, discoveries that researchers have made in, in really the last century. So what she does at that manifestation piece in the final five minutes of the meditation is you, you create that scenario. You go through that scenario. You think about yourself in that high pressure moment. You talk about what energy you bring into it. What was the, uh, what did you do during it to get that outcome that you wanted? And once that was achieved, who did you call? Who did you talk to? And what was that conversation? And then once you've done that a bunch of times, once you are all of a sudden finding yourself in that situation where that event that you have meditated on dozens of times is about to take place and you are just far more uh, better equipped to handle mm. it and it's, it's such a great uh, mindset hack for people and, and no one really knows about it the subconscious mind for me james is, is a few years ago i got into it and it was about manifesting things that you really want and when they appear you know, you you go, right, I understand how it works. It's actually just doing it once or twice and uh, many years ago, and I'm sure you've read the book, The Secret. There is no secret, but the book, The Secret, um, the concept behind it, hey, look, you know, a $100,000 check never turned up in my mailbox, but uh, you have to get up off your backside and do it, and they're big into that visualisation and, and, you know, manifesting what they want. And I'm sure with all the successful people that you have – high achievers, just not necessarily successful people monetary, have that same common trait? You know, I just interviewed John Asaraf on my podcast. I think it's episode 33. And he was the he was one of the stars of The Secret, which was the 2006 film and book that was a, a blockbuster hit mm. around the world. And he talks about in that interview how when he was in his early 20s, he had this really debilitating health condition where the doctors said to him, we need to remove part of your colon. And then through the process of, of understanding the power of the human brain, he was able to cure himself of that condition in a, in a matter of months. And then he thought, wow, I, I have a lot of power in that brain of mine. And then he thought to himself, wow, if I can cure myself of that illness, maybe I can convince my brain to build a billion dollar company. And that's when he went and did that. Now, there's so much to that around things like the uh, power of purposeful action and consistency over intensity. These are the things that you just sort of uh, mentioned before. But people spend too much time focusing on thoughts and don't do any action, or they spend mm. too much time on action and they don't do it in the right direction because sometimes doing too much action in the wrong direction can actually send you or put you worse off than you were originally. Rob Deerdeck, the skate entrepreneur um, is one is one I want to talk to you about. Not being a skateboarder myself, um, he's someone who I, I kind of always kept an eye on, and I quite like when I see him on the on the TV. Talking about appearance before, how we all have to pigeonhole pigeonhole people. He's a guy that gets around in a jumper, t shirt, jumper, jeans, and skate shoes, but yet a very successful person, monetary and spiritually at the same time. What was it like spending time with him? It was amazing. I actually didn't know much about him at all before I before I interviewed him. So once I read into it, this guy with tens of millions of followers around the world, and uh, it was incredible because I drove to his office at Beverly Hills. He's got a penthouse office with 360-degree views of the city. And to be up there, just me and him, a guy who's now got his own venture capital company where he invests in, in younger businesses to take him to that next level. I mean, he's just a a super accomplished dude. But this is a guy who his entire life, he was told that whatever he was doing had an expiry date and he just refused to accept it. So even when he was a skateboarder, they said, cool, your best years are behind you. When he was a designer, they said, your best years are behind you. When he was a TV presenter, they said, your best years are behind you. When the Harvard grads came in and said, well, we want to buy your business and, and do this because your best years are behind you. And he was able to go on and transform all this stuff and remain at the helm of, of this company that he's now got called the Deer Deck Machine that invests in all these businesses. He's absolutely crushing it. He controls all the verticals of everything that he does. So when he's on TV show, he's the presenter, he's the production company, he's got his products that are featured in the TV commercials. He does things that other people 
don't even understand. And he's always focused on getting to that next level. But the way that he did that was about creating his entire life about him being at his best. And too many of us spend time wasting our energy focusing on things that really don't give us energy. And he spends every part of his life focusing around, cool, what am I doing today that's going to give me energy to do what I do best? And when you do that, you remove all those negative influences and it frees you up to focus on on really making global change, which he's done a fantastic job of now for more than 30 years. Mate, let me ask you this. The people that you've interviewed, you're talking about a guy here who would be worth a fair bit. He's got a fair bit going on. When you spent time in his uh, company, I suspect that he dedicated his time to you without looking at his phone, without checking his emails, notifications. He just dedicated that time to you. Did you find that? It was something that was very dear to him, this project, because Thinking Grow Rich was the book that, you know, that changed his life and he still reads it every couple of years. Um, there were, I do remember he did get a call, uh, I think it was from his wife or whatever it was, halfway through. But for the most part, I mean, it was like phones face down where uh, it was him and I, I think it was about three hours just sitting in his in his office. I mean, this is a guy that people would you know, pay a lot of money, people who do pay a lot of money to go and be in his company. But there are other, um, you know, billionaires who have given me four hours. I had a four-hour Skype interview with a Canadian billionaire where I I work from a standing desk. I mean, after four hours of interviewing anyone, you're you're absolutely exhausted. Um, But all these people are are, are very good. Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, she was gave me her her full attention as well. Yeah. I did see her actually. But also um, the the CrossFit. I know CrossFit. I'm not into it myself. Uh, the 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 winner of the Olympic Games, uh, Tia Claire Tomney. Tia Claire Tomney, yeah, winner of the CrossFit T- Games, and, and also an also an Olympian. So she went from winning the CrossFit Games, flew straight from LA to Brazil to compete in the Olympic Games, which is pretty amazing. Which I wanted, you know, I picked Rob because I know he's quite entrepreneurial. But uh, Tia is obviously, you know, into your sport, so I don't really want to kind of align talk about finances there. But I want to talk about when it goes back to winning the day for you and the common trait. What did Tia have? What was the what was the drive? What was the get up and go? What 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 was uh, the difference between her and just the average person? Well, with all of these people, I think I think anyone listening to this would be extremely surprised just how all of these people that I've interviewed, you know, the, the leaders at the top 0.1% of all these different industries, the real world champions, they're not that different. They're just average mm. people. And she just she's just extremely competitive. She's got a good team in place. So she had the Australian weightlifting coach. That's great to get her good at weightlifting. She had a a fantastic uh, background as an athlete coming up through, you know, when she was in high school. She had her now husband is is her coach for everything else. So she's basically got the team around her that frees her up to do what she does best. And she just has that will to win, that ferocious spirit that the moment someone says she can't do anything or the moment someone gives her a challenge, she just gets after it. But she would be fought with, you know, a lot of adversity. If you look at her successes and compare to her the adversity and the, and the, the trials and, and the tribulations that she would have had to get to that point would far outweigh the success. Does that make sense? So, yeah, I was going to say she grew up in Gladstone. I mean, Gladstone is not known on the on the world stage for for CrossFit and, and CrossFit athletes and, and athletes in general. So to go from from that to collecting hundreds of thousands of dollars every year at the CrossFit Games on the world stage in front of former Navy SEALs, you know, a whole bunch of all these different people who are out there competing against it. There's there's something in her, this this flame. She knows exactly what she wants. The moment you give her a goal, it's as, it's as good as done, but it wasn't necessarily her initial success. It's how she's been able just to keep winning and keep winning and keep winning. She's just got that hunger. Do you find that a lot of them have a daily routine? You know, look, what's a daily routine look like for you and and, and what does a daily look, routine look like for these guys? Because the, the perception out there is that you'd have umpteen, you know, um, admin, you know, you've got PAs, ever that does everything for you. You look... You, your hours are the same amount of hours as, as the people listening, same amount of hours of me in the day. What does it look like per day, mate, Well, for, for these me, people and for you? Yeah, so for all these different well, – it depends on the industry. So there are some people like John Lee Dumas who is one of the most successful podcasters of all time. He has, has a podcast called Entrepreneurs on Fire. 
And one of the biggest productivity tips that I got from him is that most people, they wake up and they want that sense of accomplishment. So they start working on their emails because the moment you send one email off, you feel like a little bit of stress is removed from you. But the emails are like bloody boomerangs. When you send one, they, you know, they keep coming oh, back. Yeah. So the big thing for him is that he does his life's work first before he does his busy work. So he's already achieved his daily output of what he needs to get done before he does emails, which is reacting to the day. It's someone else's agenda for your time. And as a result of interviewing him and, you know, hundreds of people at, at this point, to I, I always ask them at least one question that I'm super interested in, uh, just for my own knowledge, even if I'm doing a, a project that's got nothing to do with me. And my daily routine at the moment now is I wake up at about quarter past six or thereabouts in the morning. So I don't set an alarm. My wife is the one that just wakes me up whenever she's awake because she's much better in the in the mornings, admittedly. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go and do a, a 15 or 20 minute yoga session downstairs just to, you know, get rid of the the niggling aches that the that the body has now that I'm 37 years old. And then after that, I'll have a cold shower for about five minutes. So it's it's amazing. Cold shower. Cold shower. Yeah. Even in winter, does it get hot in, in Does it get hot in California? Yeah, uh, it's cold. Well, it's, I should say. Sorry. Yeah, we were actually up in in Big Bear, the mountainous region, about two hours outside of LA. And I tell you what, that is a whole other level of a, of a cold shower there. That was like liquid snow. But waking up and 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 by the time you you look at the shower, it's there hasn't been a single occasion where I've said to myself, "Wow, I'm really looking forward to hopping into this freezing." in cold shower but it, it's it's that moment it's that decision where i say to myself look i tell everyone about winning the day if i really want to win the day today then i'm going to step into this cold shower and i'm going to love it and i'm going to have a great time in there and that's what i do i ever since i started doing the cold showers in the morning i haven't stopped once that that to me is the tangible indicator for me I that i'm going to give it a go yeah that i'm going to absolutely get after it today and the first time i did it i lasted about 10 seconds and mm-hmm. um and that was like oh that was annoying so i set a timer for three minutes and i had that so you just gave yourself it. little goals here and there yep and i, I, I once once i had the timer there it was like wow i could have i could have spent an hour in there because i'm very very competitive as well and once so you, you want to change the day have a cold shower that's right well the first after 60 se- yeah after 60 seconds your body gets used to the cold shower so having a a cold shower is, a, is an incredible thing and I, I don't even look at my phone until um you know until my day is well and truly uh, yeah. on on its way so uh, they're just a, f- a few little things that i do and I, I focus, like John Lee Dumas said, on that daily output of what's going to get me to my life's work. And only in the afternoon will I do things like respond to emails and someone else's agenda for the day. And then I have a hot shower, actually, before I go to bed, which is the greatest part of my day. <laughs> <Relaxing you. laughs> yeah. James, you interviewed Dave uh, Dan Negronu, who is regarded as one of the best poker players of all time. I've chosen him because, again, it's his mindset. It's all about the mindset. What was it like interviewing him and why was he so good as a poker player? Well, as a poker player, it's it's really like the ultimate battle of mental strength. I mean, you've got all these other players there who are mindset experts themselves and you've really got to, to win that mental battle to get ahead. And so Dan Negreanu said his objective was not to win. His objective was to have fun because when he was having fun, that's when he would do his best. And as a result of that, that. that's when he would win. So we really broke it down to figure out what would bring out his best game. And it was to focus on having fun. Another thing that he did was rather than eating the, the crappy food that they had there, he got an assistant to go and get him really healthy food. So he'd have much healthier food than anyone else. And he would also have his own little mastermind. So at the end of these tournaments, or at the end of each day, he would go out with the other, either the best poker players in the world or emerging poker players in the world. And they would go out to dinner and they would talk about hands and they would talk about the different strategies and things like that. So those three things together are what, you know, I think he's made something like 40 million US dollars in, in poker joking. prize money. Yeah, don't quote me on that, but it's uh, it's an <laughs> amazing statistic of what he's been able to, to do just from, you know, just from using the power of his mind and following the right formula. And having a cold shower. Yeah, that's right. Probably has cold showers. <laughs> Mate, you've got me onto something now. I'll text you when I have when I accomplish more than sixty seconds. Sounds good, um, mate. Mate, uh, in uncertain times which we find ourselves in, um, mate, how does someone thrive in uncertain times and and feel not in control about the future? What would be your top three suggestions for people? 
Well, first thing, you've got to focus on what you, what's in your control and what's out of your control. There are just things out there that are just not in your control. So if you can't change it, then don't worry about it. People are spending so much time worrying about things that they cannot change. So that'd be the first step. Second one would be just remove, remove the news. I mean, in LA where I live, mm. Uh, with my wife, there were all these riots and things that were going on. And I was getting a bunch of texts from people in Australia saying, hope you're staying safe. And, you know, I, I didn't really have a great, I knew what was going on a little bit, but I had no idea of the extent of the, of the damage and the destruction because we just don't watch the news ever. Like I listen to a few podcasts that refer to the news, but I never, never watched the news. So we were just in our backyard. I was like, what's everyone talking about with these, um, with these text messages? And then the, yeah, the third one is probably thinking about well, what's a problem that people have that you're capable of bringing a solution to. And the more urgent the problem for those people, the easier it's going to be for you to craft a solution that's going to, to solve that problem and help change someone's life. And then you can attach a dollar value to that. And it doesn't matter what's going on in the economy. As long as you're solving an urgent and significant problem, then you're always going to be going to be fine. Mate, I love it. Um, my wife and I are the same, mate, news, because there's so much now, isn't there? I mean, look, all the social media platforms, the news, you know, the co- it's just a – it's just a. we're getting bombarded too much with information. It's just like information overload, isn't it? Oh, it's crazy. And, I mean, over here in, in America where there's this uh, big presidential election in November, and, I mean, everyone on, on both parties, anyone in politics, it's, it's horrible. Everyone in the media, it's horrible. Like I'm talking about across the board, everyone in the media – Everyone in politics, they're all horrible. So why would anyone want to allocate even one second mm. of their time to these people, which really has no no bearing on your day? The amount of people I see on Facebook and Instagram having these and Twitter, these battles back and forth trying to convince someone else about why their politics is so bad oh, and, yeah. and whose day is completely derailed based on who's sitting in the White House. I mean, who cares? Yeah, totally. Agree. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, an opinion's like an uh, like a backside. Everyone's got one, really. That's right, it? mate. You know, I found in the whole the current environment as well. Uh, Warren Buffett has a saying which I absolutely love. You, you you see who's been swimming naked when the tide goes out, and it's been so evident since this whole COVID thing, the correction virus, as, as Phil would call it. Uh, where, where's the shift happening? business-wise, people's mindset, where, where's the shift? Where's the shift and where do you see us going, in your opinion? The remote work is, is the big one. So when this, when this hit, I was not expecting, obviously all of this is part of the normal economic cycle. Anyone in finance, you and I, we, we know this. This is all part of the usual economic cycle. Just as it happened in 2007 to 2009 with the subprime mortgage crisis, it was just a different cause that had all this stuff. So things need a correction. So that push to remote work is something that sort of surprised me a little bit. So the, the fact that now everyone is going towards remote work, my wife now works from home and there are companies out there that have, like Atlassian, a big Australian company that has a very strong presence in America, said, we don't know if we'll ever have people going back to mm-hmm. work. And I think that's I think that's a good thing because why should people spend an hour a day sitting in traffic to go to an office that costs a company $100,000 a year to rent? It means these companies are going to be more profitable and, and uh, employees and things are going to be happier as well. The downside of that is the ambitious people who really want to establish those relationships that's going to enable them to move up the ladder, they're going to need to be a little bit more resourceful around what they do to stand out from their from their peers. Um, so there's some of the things that I that I think are, are going on and there's you know there's a whole bunch of different um, yeah a whole bunch of different I, things that are I going think on. I think people also need to get comfortable with the discomfort. You know, as opposed to just going, oh no, that this is just this just isn't the norm. Get comfortable, and I say that to myself. I say that to our team. Get comfortable with the discomfort, because yeah. if you rewind twelve months ago to say, well, everyone will be working from home, the misconception was, and I said it to someone the other day. Imagine I said to you, you said to me, mate, I've been working from home for five days. My initial thought is. What are you doing? You're doing nothing. Yeah. You know, you, you're lazy. What's wrong with you? But yeah. now it's just, now it's completely changed. For sure. And there are companies okay. out there that are, yeah, that are actually more productive from from doing that. And it's a, a bit of a, it's, well, not a bit of, it is an absolute reality that when times are good, companies run fat. And now hmm. all of these companies that are getting rid of thousands and thousands of people, 
all of a sudden, if a vaccine if a vaccine comes out tomorrow, and a vaccine is is inevitable, there's been too much money thrown at this thing, and technology is too good. I, I am of the belief that a vaccine will be available in the next four to six before months. the election, James. Before oh, the U.S. election, that'd be a big game changer, wouldn't there's it? There's a lot on it. Certainly, I, honestly, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me at all. I agree, but it's I not agree. like it's not like all of these companies, for the most part, are going to click their fingers and start hiring all these people back. So if you're a hotel or a, another business and you realize that you can do a you know if if you're an airline yes of course you need flight attendants you need pilots they're the type of people that are going back but if you're a big corporate company that that has trimmed the fat and you've had a good excuse for doing it then all of a sudden you realize that you don't need to hire back those people or you don't need to have a, a fixed premises for your for your office i mean this is millions tens of millions of dollars per company that you can save and and move forward into profitability in the future so i i uh I don't know how much I would be buying shares at the moment, given that they're record highs, especially in in America. I mean, the Nasdaq's mm-hmm. been doing about twenty percent a year for the last ten years. Um, but I I think it will. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it continued the strength of the of the share markets. It is crazy. You just get back a step. Um, I came across uh, one of the brokers told me about a scenario two three days ago. And uh, anyway, to cut a long story short. The person took out a seventy thousand dollar personal loan. The house was worth five hundred and fifty. They owed five four hundred and eighty. Now I'm talking about a personal loan for seventy thousand dollars with a house. Good jobs, you know, good age, good age. But they wanted to put a house, a, a pool in, mate. This is what my opinion has been wrong with the system for so long. It's like, so you've got a house, you're pretty much leveraged up to the top, you want to put a pool in, and you've got a $70,000 personal loan. By the way, you owe more than what your assets are. And I find in, in the lending world, that has been the problem with the system. Yeah. The system should have said to these people, and they would be doing themselves a justice, stop. You don't need the pool. You've taken out a $70,000 loan. What have you been doing with your money for the last you know, 15 years while you've been working? That's where I'm really looking forward to this uh, COVID and, and the banking sector. It's not mm. difficult to get money. I just, you know, I want to reiterate that. It's mm. not that hard. But it's people like that that we have been doing an injustice to. It's not their fault. Well, it is. To, it is. It is their fault. But it's not their fault because it's like it's just so easily accessible. Yeah, if you tell people to go and uh, you know to go and get access to superannuation, which they can do, then don't blame those people if all of a sudden they get to their retirement age and they don't have much money mm. in there. I mean, a funny Mate, thing I, that people, people in Australia don't really know that much about, but over here the interest rates for you know for a home loan is actually less than it was during the subprime mortgage rate. You can borrow it about you know just over three percent over here at the moment. So it is very Mate, very. Cheap. To access capital, yeah. Credit cards are going backwards. You know, they took away 2,175 ATMs here in Australia last month, but yet cash withdrawals were higher and they're trying to get rid of cash, you know. Like it's like it's it's really unprecedented times, but I think um, the behaviour of people is is something that needs to be corrected, especially in the finance world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's one thing that I think needs help. Mate. And look, I'm mindful of the time, so I, I will wrap it up pretty soon for you. But there's a couple more questions I just want to ask, and it's probably more about you, um, mate. Who inspires you, and why? Oh, it's a good question. So there are. The two biggest inspirations to me have been, I guess, my inspirations for since I grew out of a, a teenage phase would be uh, would be my dad. He's just very much on the entrepreneurial side where he still wakes up at 5 a.m. He's 80 years old. He's got, you know, more than 20 books out. He's still doing his columns and radio broadcasts his last and everything one. else. Yeah, no. So he's, he, he gets after it every single day. Um, you know, he, so that that's a big inspiration to me, and also from his integrity as well. Like he is of the utmost integrity and always has. Uh, and from my mum would just be the kindness aspect. She's just the kindest, sweetest person I think in the in the whole world. She really is. So um, everyone has something bad to say about everyone, but I mean, no one I've ever met has anything even remotely bad to say about her. She's the type of person that if someone cuts her off in traffic, she'll and and gives her the finger, she'll she'll wave politely back and, and smile. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> But then apart from that, I I get really inspired by people like Elon Musk, which might almost be a little bit cliche these days. But when you – there's a video of of Elon Musk on 60 Minutes in America talking about how he felt when the former astronauts – 
were commenting on what he was doing with his mission. And it brought him to tears talking about how these were the heroes of his. He just wishes that they could come and see the work that he's doing. And the way that he has been able to continue to transform you know, he had PayPal. That was one of his um, biggest earlier companies. And to move into Tesla, where he's completely changed the automotive space. And so now he's got SpaceX and, and um, everything that he's doing with battery and, and renewable technology. He is someone that completely blasts through any parameters or frameworks that you try to give him by questioning the initial assumption that people made. So when People say, cool, what are we going to do to build a better car? Well, it's got a steering wheel, it's got tires and things. Well, he says, you know what, let's go back and and go back to square one, a completely blank slate to say, um, we don't have any assumptions. What is the ultimate transformation and experience that we want to have for our customers? And let's create that through the product. So those are the people that, that inspire me. And and honestly, the, the probably the biggest thing that inspires me is just everyday people who I see um, who are in very, very difficult and challenging circumstances, who move forward courageously, just putting one foot in front of the other and, and have these big goals and, and do everything they can to, to achieve what they want. That's why any person who emails me or anything they want, they'll always get a reply from me because I'm just very, very um, willing to help people who are willing to help themselves. And that's a testament to your mum and dad, mate, as well. Obviously, they've done a great job with uh, with yourself, mate. So um, that's that's fantastic to hear. So thanks for sharing that, mate. Also, another one. What's a question that you um, that you don't get asked enough that you would like to? Oh, I get. I've been on that many interviews. I think I uh, I, I don't really know. I, uh, yeah, I'm not too sure. I, I stumped him. Yeah, I've always got maybe that question. I've uh, I'm always happy to. Um, nothing's off the off limits in any interview, and and I've just done that many interviews now. I did one the other day that was a two hour interview for syndicated to 600 radio stations in four different countries to an audience of you know of more than two million people with. Uh, we had people calling in from all different parts of the world to ask questions. So I've, I've at this point I've been asked, you know, pretty much everything under the sun. Every that I question. Think of. <laughs> What's the what's uh I mean I know the the obsession with um you know what separates people what what's next on what's next on the agenda for James Whitaker? Well, we've got this We Are podcast company with my uh, dear friend, Ronsley Vars, who's actually based in, in Brisbane. So he's a very close friend of mine. And the idea behind that was that in the world that we're in, people are told that they can't have a voice or that their problems aren't big enough or whatever it might be. So we want to help aspiring and existing podcasters to make more than 15000 US dollars in monthly revenue from their podcasts and their associated activities. So we've got four events a year that we run. We've got a massive network of literally the biggest podcasters entrepreneurs and marketing experts on the planet. And we've got a a group called We Are Members where we basically work with this group for about five hours a month over a few different days on making sure they hit those revenue targets. Uh, I've got the brand new book, Andrew Carnegie's Mental Dynamite, out now, which is in Australia everywhere it should be. Um, And another book coming out a few months after that. And also the audio book for The Beginner's Guide to Wealth, which is a completely revised uh, version. I like that. Yeah. I look forward to that one, mate. Last question from me. Mate, can you tell us any stories that have happened to you that was life-changing in your life? Oh, so many. It's 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 amazing how uh, something that I actually um, spoke to our, our coaching group the other day about was the importance of planting seeds. And it's not really a story per se, but it's, it's when you have these – um, if you plant these seeds and you focus not on the results, but you just keep focusing on planting seeds. Um, I had an email that came out the other day. It was from the publisher of this new book to say that the, the brand new book is doing, you know, it's exceeded everyone's expectations. And now it's going to be in two thousand more than 2000 FedEx stores all around America as of January. Wow. And that would not have happened if it wasn't for a series of preceding events where I gave it my all and didn't overthink it. I just focused on doing the right thing by people and making sure that the finished product was great. And when you plant those seeds on seeds on seeds and release yourself from the outcome, it is amazing what can happen. There's a Steve Jobs quote that says, you can never connect the dots looking forward, only looking back. And it's only when I get an email like that or this interview that I was on last week that I mentioned earlier that had more than, you know, 2 million listeners, whatever it was, where I had my inbox open in the, in the background and you could just see 
I mean, hundreds and hundreds of, of people just subscribing to my newsletter and the podcast and things as a result of that. But it was that was as a result of me planting seed after seed after seed and, and all those different things going on. So it's it's I think it's really important to anyone listening to focus on planting the seeds and planting the seeds rather than focusing so much on the result of each day. Yeah, and and if I line it back to say the finance world, if you cast your mind back when people want to achieve something, it's just something small each day will result in something bigger. Definitely. You know, like the, one of the, the girls in my office, one of the girls said to me, Barry, look, I know you've got a lot going on at the moment with this new rebrand and everything that's happening. She goes, just picture it like an elephant, take one bite at a time. Yeah. It was so simple, but I'm like, I love it. <laughs> um, it was fantastic. So, mate, let me ask you this. Where can people find and listen Where your website, your podcast? Mate, shout out shout out loud. Tell, tell, tell the world because you are definitely someone that's worth li- listening to. Oh, thank you, my friend. The podcast is Win the Day with James Whitaker. That's available on Apple Podcasts, on YouTube, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Amazon have just come out with their new podcast platform. So, Win the Day with James Whitaker is available everywhere. Uh, connect with me online at my website, jameswitt2t's.com. Com, uh, Instagram at James Witt. Uh, if I can be of service to anyone, just let me know. And how do we get hold of the new book? The new book. So any books, Amazon? Yeah, any bookstore. Of course, you can go to Amazon. It's available on there. So Andrew Carnegie's Mental Dynamite by James Whitaker, co-authored by Napoleon Hill, which is still a little bit, um, yeah, I'm still getting used to that feeling. Well, yeah, we'll put that on the show notes for everyone to get hold of um, James's inspirational stuff. So... Mate, thank you very much, um, and I am uh, very appreciative of the, you know the last hour that you've given me the wealth of knowledge, the wealth of people that you've talked to, not just monetary, but also from a, a mental sense for people to uh, to win the day. Um, and I would encourage anyone to get onto James's website uh, and have a look at Win the Day. Um, you know, whether you're driving or just spend maybe 15 to 20 minutes just listening to some of his advice. He's inspirational. I love the bloke. And um, everything that you do, I know that you do it for a good um, good intent. I know that. Well, thank you uh, so much for having me on and, and well done to everything you're doing to help raise awareness of, yeah, just helping people help themselves. A lot of people out there right now don't know what information to believe. And you and I have known each other for a long time. So we definitely know that you're one of the good ones too. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. You can contact me on barry.wilkinson at swgroup.com.au or if you Google Statewide Wealth Group, Barry Wilkinson, that will come up and it will show you the links on how to get to me. It's quite easy. Jump onto our website, if you like, in our blog section on Statewide Wealth Group. You'll find some wonderful blogs that we've recently put up, some tips and tricks and some information from my business partner, in relation to the financial planning sector. Fire us any questions. There's an area within our website that you can ask us any questions that you like and uh, feel free to subscribe to this podcast. If you can rate it, if you could, please, that would be really appreciative and uh, feel free to send it amongst any of friends and family. Thanks very much.